today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. purpose and calling within Aaron's life as the head priest and for every head priest that should have succeeded him. Yes, holiness to the Lord. Do you know what? We find out in the New Testament that we are all priests. Now in the New Testament, we are, again, priests of the Lord. I can't say, well, well, that, that's the pastor's job, being holy. I don't need to do that anymore. No, that, that is called for every one of us because every one of us are representations of our Lord God to a lost and dying world that surrounds us. Holiness to the Lord ought to be a part of our life. In his message today, Pastor David explains that you are called to be holy. You have the same purpose and calling that Aaron had as the first priest in the book of Exodus. Each Christian believer is a representative to the lost people of this world. You represent the grace found in God and the hope found in Christ. Your life can be an inspiration to an unbeliever to learn more about Jesus. If your life is not a perfect picture of an obedient follower of Christ, don't despair, but call on the Lord for help. Now here's Pastor David in the book of Exodus chapter 17 with today's edition of The Open Word. Moses cried out to the Lord, Why, what shall I do with this people? They're almost ready to stone me. The Lord said to Moses, go on before the people. Take with you some of the elders of the land. Take in your hand your rod which you, which you struck the river and go. Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock of Horeb and you shall strike the rock. Water shall come out of it and the people may drink. Moses did it in the sight of the elders they called the name of the place Massa and Meribah because of the contention of the children of Israel and because they tempted the Lord saying, is the Lord among us or not? Water from the rock. God provided water from the rock. We find out in the New Testament, literally that that, that rock was, was Jesus giving life, giving water for them. We need to fast forward real quick in, in the midst of all of this. As they're still going through the wilderness, they, they find they, they get into a battle with the Amalekites. The, the Lord gives them victory, but I love the way that the victory is given. As long as Moses has his hands up in the air, they're getting the victory. But two had to come and help him. Joshua saw that as Moses had his hands in the air, they were getting the victory. And so we find out that in verse 10, the second part of verse 10, that Moses and Aaron and Hur went up to the mountain. And so it was when Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed. When he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands became heavy, so that they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat down. And then Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side, one on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun 
So Joshua defeated the Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. There's so much that could be said about that whole incident, about supporting the leadership within your church, supporting the leadership for the work of the battle that's going on in a continual way. That's a whole another study that we could get in. They uh, wrote a memorial in the book. Uh, again, speaking of that, uh, the Lord is my banner because the Lord was sworn. Uh, uh, the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. Jehovah Nisi, the Lord is my banner. Jethro comes along. Jethro gives uh, Moses some understanding. Moses, you can't be doing what you're doing all day long for the rest of your life. You're going to wear out taking care of the people on your own. Jethro, his father-in-law, comes up and tells him, no, what you need to do is break that down, get leadership over the, the thousands, over the hundreds, over the fifties, and over the tens. Put people, give people responsibility within the work of that ministry or the work of that congregation that they have the responsibility. Then Moses, you just take care of the, the main issues when they come, but let others have that that responsibility, the delegation of leadership, and how important that is. And another part of that, not only is that important for a leader to be willing to delegate, but it is also important for a congregation to receive responsibility and to carry that responsibility, to own that responsibility, and again, for the whole working of the ministry that God is doing. They finally get to the point of Mount Sinai, chapter 19, And in chapter 20, we get to the giving of the Ten Commandments. God is birthing this new nation. They need some understanding of how they need to live. They need an understanding of how they're going to worship Jehovah God. They need to understand how they're going to deal with each other uh, and the world around them. So God gives them, as a very base, as a very core, these Ten Commandments. Don't have any other gods before me. Don't raise up idols or false images. Don't dishonor my name. Find that time, that Sabbath of of rest and and worship. You and I are created in the image of God. And when God had that time of Sabbath, it wasn't because God was tired. We understand that and know that. God created the Sabbath for you and I, that we would take the time of rest and the time of worship. Sabbath, taking a Sabbath time, isn't just going out to the lake and having a great time. That Sabbath time is also for you to be refreshed and renewed in your relationship with the Lord. Going out to the lake is not a bad thing. But don't neglect also the time that you need to have just you alone with the Lord. Um, Honor your parents, man. That's not only says, man, that's the first commandment of the promise that your days might be long upon the earth. When can I stop honoring my parents? Hey, I'm 65 years old. My dad's 87 years old. No, it doesn't stop. I still honor him. Uh, we honor our parents because, again, they are the ones that gave us life. But my parents didn't do it right. My parents messed up. Then my parents blew it. My parents weren't good parents to me. Honor your parents. Honor your parents. You don't have to agree with them. You don't have to be their best buddy. But you need to honor them in all things. Don't murder. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't lie. Don't covet or envy. These Ten Commandments deal with relationships vertical and horizontal. And you can't say that I've got everything going good in my life because I've got everything going right with God and I on the horizontal or on the vertical 
if you don't have the horizontal right. If your relationship on the horizontal plane with those around you are not right, according to God's word, not right. And beloved, you cannot be right vertically. And in the same way, the best way that I can be right on that horizontal plane is when I'm right vertically. If I'm not really walking with the Lord, the purity of heart and, and with the honesty of, of, of desiring him more than anything, then my relationship this way is going to be messed up too. You see, they work together perfectly. And it may sound a little bit corny, but it's the absolute truth. You notice you put that horizontal line and that vertical line together, and that's a cross. And until we are right with the cross of Christ, we will never be right in the rest of our lives. Chapters 20 through 25 give an assortment of different laws and commands dealing with worship, dealing with life, dealing with how they're dealing with each other. Finally, by the time you get to chapter 25, uh, you start telling them how to, to build the tabernacle, what they need to, to uh, build it with, what they, the, the materials and how to build it. And then he starts speaking about the things that are within the tabernacle. And again, there's a lot there. It's a message for every one of those. The Ark of the Covenant, the table of showbread, the golden lampstand, the altar of the burnt offering. Then in chapter 28, he starts speaking about the priest's garment. Uh, every area, every portion of that garment from the ephod to the, the breastplate with the um, stones with the name of each tribe of Israel upon it. God left nothing uh, out. He gave detail of how all of those things should be done. Why? Because it pointed to not only the, his righteousness and the holiness that these priests are supposed to have, but it also spoke about his relationship with the nation of Israel and how he would work and move within their lives. And, and almost everything that, that was on those priests, one of the things that we see in chapter 28 down in verse 36 for the high priest these, these priests are for the priests the main priest he says you shall make a plate of pure gold and engrave on it like the engraving of a signet holiness to the lord you shall put it on a blue cord that it may be on the turban that it shall be on the front of the turban so that it shall be on aaron's forehead that Aaron may bear the iniquity of the holy things which the children of Israel hallow in all their holy gifts, and it shall always be on his forehead that they may be accepted before the Lord. Symbolic, yes. A reminder, yes. A declaration of purpose and calling within Aaron's life as the head priest and for every head priest that should have succeeded him, yes. Holiness to the Lord. But you know what? We find out in the New Testament that we are all priests. Now in the New Testament, we are, again, priests of the Lord. I can't say, well, well, that, that's the pastor's job, being holy. I don't need to do that anymore. No, that, that is called for every one of us because every one of us are representations of our Lord God to a lost and dying world that's around us. Holiness to the Lord ought to be a part of our life. We get further into it very quickly to speak about the fact that in Israel, they had some major failure. Remember, while Moses was up there getting all of these 
things uh, up there on Mount Sinai. He's getting the commandments. He's getting all these directions for the tabernacle, for all the priests, clothing, everything about it. While he's up there, the children of Israel get nervous. They get bored. Their Nintendo, their PlayStation ran out of batteries, whatever it was. And so as it says there, they called to Aaron in chapter 32. Come, make us gods that we shall go that shall go before us. For as far as this Moses, it says, the man who brought us up out of the land, we don't even know what's become of him. You know the story there that as they as they brought all the gold to Aaron, he formed and fashioned this golden cow, this golden idol for them. And literally it broke out in um, just this a pagan worship time, uh, literally almost a, an, an orgy of things. As, as again, they just totally denied, totally walked away from the God that had saved them out of the pagan rituals of Egypt and is now working in them as a new people. The fear that came from the failure there in verse or chapter 33, the Lord says to Moses, depart and go up from here to the land which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I'm going to send my angel before you. I will not go in your midst, lest I consume you on the way, for you are a stiff-necked people. After all the events of the golden calf worship, God says, I'm not, I'm not going to destroy every all of you. I'm not going to wipe you totally out. But here's what's going to happen. I'm still going to fulfill my promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and to his descendants. But I'm not going to go with you guys. I'm going to send my angel before you. Because if I go with you the way that I've been with you thus far, I, I would totally consume you guys. So I said, no, you guys go on on your own. I'll send my angel before you. My angel will defeat the enemy before you. Look there in verse, uh, chapter 33. Two says, I'll send my angel before you. I'll drive out the Canaanite and the Amorite and the Hittite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, the Jebusite. Verse three, go up to a land flowing with milk and honey. God's still giving his promise there. Oh, you can go and you can have all that I promised, but you're not going to have me. I'm not going to go with you. Go up, but I will not go up in your midst lest I consume you on the way. The people heard about this bad news. They mourned. No one put on his ornaments. Skip down to verse 15. Moses responds to the Lord. He says, if your presence doesn't go with us, then don't bring us up from here. I, man, I, I, I can't commend Moses too highly for that very declaration. God says, no, you go ahead. Oh, you got the land of milk and honey. Oh, I'll, I'll defeat the enemies for you. But you're not going to have my presence with you. You're going to be successful in life. You go ahead. You, 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 you've got the ability. You can be successful in life. But I'm not going to be a part of your life. The scary thing is, is how many individuals, how many ministries that are huge and prosperous even today, right now in our world, that have, I believe bought into that. There's, there's no longer the, the glory of the Lord. There's no longer that Shekinah. There's no longer 
that infilling of the Lord within it. No, it's, go ahead, you go. You can have the land of milk and honey. I'll, I'll defeat the enemy before you, the angel will. But I'm not going there. And Moses said, no, if you're not going, we're not going. A little bit later in chapter 33, down in verse 17 and 18, the Lord said to Moses, you found grace in my sight. I know you by name. Moses said, please, show me your glory. Moses was hungry for the things of God. He didn't want success in this life. He was a guy completely satisfied being a shepherd. But he wanted to see the glory of the Lord. And so God gave him that opportunity. He gave him the opportunity to, again, see his, his presence, see his, see his glory. And the Lord said, all my goodness is going to pass before you. I'm going to put you in the cleft of the rock. You, you'll see my back, but my face you shall not see. That's uh, verses 19 through uh, 23 there. I've got the wrong reference for you on the slide. God showed him his glory, and Moses' life was changed from that. As a matter of fact, we, we read that as Moses came down, there was this glow about him. There was this presence about Moses that everybody recognized. Everybody saw that there was something different about Moses because he had been in the presence of the Lord. And I can guarantee you this, church, when you and I have been in the presence of the Lord, it's going to change our lives. It's going to change our life. We cannot remain what we were after being in the presence of Almighty God. Uh, we move on real quick in chapters 34. God renews the covenant to him. Re, uh, again, gives him the law once again. Remember Moses had broke the tablets as he came down, saw all the craziness with the golden calf. The Lord gave it to him again. The Lord descended in a cloud, stood with him there, proclaimed the name of the Lord. Again, the power of God working in and through Moses at that point in time. All of the power of the Lord that's being uh, demonstrated not only while he was up on the mountain, but now as Moses comes back down, we see in chapters 35 and 36 and 37 and 38 and 39, we see again the, the, the fulfilling of what God had called him to do, the beginning of making the garments, the, the, the beginning of making preparations, uh, the, the tabernacle being uh, uh, built and, and erected. And we'll get into more of that as we get into Numbers and Leviticus and Deuteronomy. But there in chapter 40, we see the promise of God fulfilled that he's going to restore them. Once they built that tabernacle, it says that the cloud covered the tabernacle of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. For the cloud of the Lord was above the tabernacle by day. The fire was over it by night in the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all of their journeys. I, I read that, I look at that, and I understand as we've gone through this, and in, even in past studies you've seen, you understand, none of them deserved it. I mean, God's relationship with Moses was, was a powerful thing, but there's another portion in there that God says, hey, I'm going to wipe them all out. And I'll just start again with you, Moses. And Lord says, no, or Moses says, no, no, don't do that. 
Because then all these pagan nations look at your name and you call these people out, Lord. No, don't do that. So the relationship that God had with Moses was powerful, but the people, again, continually fail. They're just like us, continually fail. Aren't you glad that it's not up to us? Let me ask that again. Aren't you glad that it's not up to us? Yeah. Because if it was up to us, we wouldn't make it. We wouldn't make it. But it's the very grace of God as he continually shows himself above and beyond our failures. He demonstrates the greatness of who he is in the midst of our weaknesses. He shows himself strong in the midst of those times that, man, we, we tumbling and we're falling and we're, we're going the wrong direction. And, yeah, sometimes he needs to literally snag us and drag us back into place. But God will fulfill his promises because his word is true. Because he will not lie. He's not son of man that he lies. He's, he's going to proclaim his truth. His truth works within his people, his children. And again, that doesn't mean that we can go and we can live our life any way and uh, every way that we want to. Our salvation isn't just a, suddenly a, a free ticket into heaven and we can just do anything along the way. No, he has called us into his kingdom for purpose. There's a lot of things we're going to be getting into as we get into these next couple of books where the Lord wipes out a great number of them because of their disobedience. We're going to find out that when, when they could have gone in just a few days into the promised land because of their mumbling, grumbling, and complaining, they don't make it into the promised land. As a matter of fact, a whole generation dies in that wilderness. They never experience the fullness of God because of their mumbling, their grumbling, their complaining. Because they've taken lightly that declaration of holiness to the Lord. Because they've taken lightly the grace and the blessings of God that saved them out of the bondage of Egypt, provided for them in the wilderness, fed them, watered them, gave them the, 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 the cloud by day, the, the, the fire by night, guarded them against the enemy, gave them victories over the enemy. In all these things, gang, we could look back and we could probably go through every, every one of our lives, every one of our families, say, yeah, I, I, man, we failed here, we failed there, but we've also seen God here and we've seen God there and we've seen God here and we've seen God there and we, we God, God did something, man, so out of the ordinary here in my life, I can't even begin to imagine it. question that comes to my life all the time is, so why in the world would I deny him? Why in the world wouldn't I be absolutely obedient, continually, 100%? I'm glad it's not up to me. I'm glad his grace prevails. And in the midst of my weakness, he has shown strength. Amen. As our time with you today winds down, 
We'd like to share where you can listen to today's message again. You'll find this and other teachings from Pastor David and The Open Word at theopenword.com. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast to ensure you never miss an edition of the program. Right now, let's turn it back over to Pastor David for a quick message from the heart. Hello, friend. I'm so glad you joined in today to The Open Word. As you know, this broadcast is meant to share with you the hope, grace, and love that can only be found through Jesus Christ. He's the reason I teach every week at Calvary Chapel of Casa Grande. I want as many people as possible to know and believe the message of the gospel. If you'd like to know more about what Jesus' life and death means to you, I'd encourage you to call us. We have some great people here who would love to pray with you and answer your questions. Our number is 520-836-9676. Again, that's 520-836-9676. Know that I'm praying for you too, and I value you greatly as a listener and brother or sister in Christ. Thanks, Pastor David. We'd like to invite you to come see us in person as well at Calvary Chapel Casa Grande. We have services every Saturday, Sunday, and Wednesday, and you'll be able to find more information at theopenword.com. Just click the church link at the bottom of the page. With that, our time with you has come to an end. Join us next time to continue our journey through the Bible, right here on The Open Word. Make us more.